Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of The Dark Parade. Uh, as we have been uh, working our way through the Night of the Demons films, uh, we find ourselves washed up on the shores of Night of the Demons 3, the last of the original trilogy, and joining me uh, for that will be uh, Derek Bourgeois, so we will get to that in just a moment. I uh, want to say thank you again for all of the support during this uh, Night of the Demon series. It's been a lot of fun to hear your feedback. Uh, if you would like to continue <laughs> to leave some feedback, uh, please do so. Uh, you can find me at Dark Parade Pod uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can also find the Facebook group for the, the Dark Parade, so drop by there. Uh, and that tends to have some fairly animated conversations. Um, as well as just a good old-fashioned bow, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. So, just to, to give you a heads up what, what will be coming soon, uh, next week uh, will be the end of our look at the Night of the Demon series with a, a, a detour into the Night of the Demons remake. Uh, following that, uh, we've got a whole new series, but I'll talk about that then. There will also be this very week a new episode of What You Watching with Jamie and Bo, uh, as well as probably a found footage fool, either this week or next week, more likely next week. But we'll let next week take care of itself. First, ladies and germs, is uh, my conversation with Derek Bourgeois all about Night of the Demons 3, a movie that uh, perhaps does not live up to the high standards of the first two. You be the judge. So uh, without further ado, here is that conversation. And welcome, as always, to the Dark Parade. All right, and as promised, everyone, with me is the uh, the sexual chocolate. I don't even know what that means. Derek Bourgeois. Uh, long time pal of various shows that I've done. Um, and is this, a, this is the first time you're on Dark Parade, right? Or am I forgetting something? Which is entirely gonna, possible. I was going to do my Night of the Demons voice for the intro. Oh, please do. Yes, it is, Bo. It's my first time on the Dark Parade. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, I think Frank Welker did that for the first movie. And then I, I think it, other people did it since, but... Um. Uh, actually, fun fact, it's actually a, one of a, a staple of Kenny Tangy actors. Uh, it was uh, the Asian dude that was in the scene with uh, Linnea Quigley at the supermarket. He was the guy behind the counter. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he was in the Witchboard as well, that guy. He did all <laughs> the demon voices for, I believe... Maybe the first. He might have did this one, too. I'm not sure. Well, all right. Obviously, what we're talking about here is the the third and final uh, film in the original Night of the Demons trilogy. Night of the Demons 3, Demon Harder. And this is the, the first one that was like a straight-to-video special where they were like, look, uh, this is not... We're not fucking around with the theatrical release anymore. And in for if people have listened to the first two episodes of this, I'm a big fan of the second one in particular. I think the first one is like head and shoulders above most of the B movie stuff of that era. And then I think Night of the Demons Two is legit fun because it kind of expands on everything that made the first one pretty fun. Mm -hmm. And then we have what I like to think of as the Great Retraction. <laughs> with Night of the Demons 3 where the thing that was kind of fun about Night of the Demons 2 is like you're going to uh, the St. Rita's Academy and then you're going to Whole House and then you're going back to the Academy and then back to Whole House and you know uh, there's a, a wide cast of characters and they're all very different you got priests and nuns and the teenagers and a kid into demonology and a guy bouncing his own head like a basketball all kinds of wacky shit don't don't forget it has an immortal nun that gets decapitated and fucking it's her head grows back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a lizard. And uh, but in this one, we're scaling everything back quite a bit. Yeah, 
so, for sure. <laughs> so, um, let's just kind of jump into uh, what what happens in this movie, and then we'll talk about all this. And uh, you know, for those who are not a regular listener, we're not going to go scene by scene. We're going to kind of give a general idea of what's happening here uh, in in a rough chronological order, but. Um, we open as we normally do, uh, like the, the second one had this with the, uh, the traveling religious folk and we have another kind of cold open here, except this time it is, uh, officer Larry (laughs) played by Larry day. Yeah. So he wouldn't forget his name and he is, it's Halloween night and he's on duty at whole house and the idea is like he's gonna because of the murders that happened with St. Rita's Academy he's gonna be hanging out to make sure that nobody cruises by and and screws with stuff at Hull House but then he sees uh you know some lights on inside and, and whatnot and goes inside to investigate and sure enough there's Angela uh, continued to be played by Amelia Kincaid and oh yeah uh, and right off the bat, he's like, hey, you can't be in here because this place is off limits. And she's like, what are you talking about? I live here. And to me, that is the first time that he should be like, oh, you're probably a ghost or something. Well, I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking, you know, like, and he's like, uh, well, he's in, he's like, but I'm law. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she ends up taking his badge off and throwing it at him like a shuriken <laughs> bam <laughs> yeah and and kills officer larry with that and then you know thus begins night of the demons 3 which has in in its opening credit sequence the shoddiest computer graphics maybe of all time was that what the, you know? I thought it was like a mixture of stop motion in the beginning, but then it was like, oh, no. It it doesn't look great, which I can kind of forgive, but when they just yeah. start recycling the same crappy shots that you saw like 12 seconds before, and they just kind of loop the video until the credits are done, it's like, ugh, okay, nobody really cared about this movie, I guess. Yeah, and you, you know it's even sadder when they have like the shitty version of the original theme playing over it. It's like a lazy version of the original Night of the Demon score. It's like, whoa, what the fuck is this? Yeah, and we all right. So we were kind of talking about this before we jumped in, but it, the, just to give the bona fides of this, this is directed by a guy named Jim Kaufman who did a bunch of television work, but the script is written by Kevin Tenney, who of course directed the first one didn't write the first one but directed it Uh and it you know it went my copy of it at least i like i look the first two have blu-ray releases this one doesn't um so i got a dvd of it which only has a 4-3 uh version of it and that may be the only version that exists i don't know if there is a widescreen version of this film at least not that I could find. Yeah, this is this movie influenced Zack Snyder. Yeah, right. It, it's the Justice League of Night of the, Night, Demons. Night of the Demons movies. Um, but yeah, so we end up uh, jumping into our a van with a group of ne'er-do-well teenagers uh, led by a guy named Vince who is kind of the the main thug and his girlfriend Lois Lois um, who is just all up on him all the time like the only defining character of Lois in this movie is that she's horny nonstop and she likes to do puppet snakes right Uh, and like the first two movies are horny this may be the horniest of the movies. Oh yeah, even Angela in some scenes in this is like, I want to fuck the shit out of this nerdy kid. Yeah, right. Um, all right, so you've got them. Then there's Nick, who is sort of the 
for lack of a better comparison, sort of the John Travolta type. He's kind of... <laughs> he does kind of look like John Travolta. Yeah, it's just a real, like, hey, oh. Uh, he's just kind of a greaser guy. And then there's Reggie. And Reggie is uh, just the other dude who is soon to be shot. Stereotypical black guy. Yeah, stereotypical black character for these movies. And then finally you have Orson, who is not the guy that Mork for Mork reports to, but is instead uh, kind of, of of all the 'er ne'er-do-wells in this van, he's the one that they all kind of bully a little bit, but he also owns the van. Yeah. And so anyway, they're out on a Halloween night just up to no good. And, yeah, they're looking for girls. Right. Well, everybody except for Vince, who is, you know, has Lois in his lap. And then we meet uh, Holly and Abby. Yep. And Holly is kind of the uh, the good-looking cheerleader type. And then there's her friend Abby, who is dressed up like a cat. Okay. <sighs> where holly is dressed up like a harem girl oh yeah and this is one of those situations where they're like oh abby is kind of the less good looking friend and it's like these girls are both super cute yeah like i don't know that one of the i i don't know that i would find one of them more attractive than the other if i were in high school although given my my demeanor i would probably be a little more attracted to abby than holly oh i would definitely be in a human centipede with both of them if i had the chance sure sure the the sandwich of that human centipede yes which might be mixing metaphors but whatever <laughs> but yeah so it's one of those things where abby's like oh i guess i'm just not as good looking as you and you're like you're both like 18 years old and gorgeous what i, I, I don't understand any of this i think it was because of the she was kind of like upsizing because you know they had like this weird like nude scene too where they're like undressing in their room and you know it's like they're she's looking at holly's tits and she's like oh my tits are kind of flat uh you know like yeah it's, it's typical girl stuff girls do that right but she's not that flat chested either you know I yeah. mean, I, like maybe holly is it has a bigger cup size or whatever but neither one of them are like Anyway, it's just one of those, like, oh my god, she takes off the glasses and she's pretty kind of things. Where I'm like, this doesn't work. Both of these girls are way too good looking for one of them to be the ugly one. Yeah, it's like Cass and fucking Chloe Grace Moretz as Carrie. Yeah, it, yes. Where you're like, this this does not compute because nobody would pick on Chloe Grace Moretz because she is too attractive. No matter how crazy and religious she is, she's still a beautiful young woman. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so they're going to the dance. And Abby, who is in theory kind of the nerdy one because she's talking about, you know, graduating and going off to college and everything. But she's also like, I'm definitely going to get fucked tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so uh, <laughs> they're horny too. And they take off for the high school dance. And then their car breaks down by the side of the road. And then along comes the van with our ne'er-do-wells. And they're like, hey, oh, you want us to take you uh, for help or something? Yeah, come on. Let's go get some help. We were just getting bored doing your mama jokes for like 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. They're playing the dozens is how they put it. Which every time I think of the dozens, I think of the George Carlin bit from one of his early albums like amfm or something yeah when he says you want to play the dozens the dozens is a game but the way i fuck your mama is a goddamn shame <laughs> it's pretty good it is uh <laughs> our rest in power george carlin um but yeah so nick and holly had an algebra class together and she's like, uh, oh, I think I know you. And he's like, oh, I must have made some kind of impression because I was only there for the first day. Oh. And you're like, uh, okay, these two are going to end up together, which is unfortunate because I don't really like either of them. Yeah. <laughs> but 
they so now that we have all of these kids together, they make a pit stop at a convenience store. And Reggie is trying to buy some beer on a fake ID. And oh. the guy behind the counter is like, uh, this is a hundred percent not you in this picture. And the guy's like, Hey, what are you talking about? That's definitely me. Are you gonna sell me the beer or not? And the guy's like, Absolutely not. I'm I'm definitely not going to do that. And the guy ends up pulling a gun on Reggie. Black Lives Matters. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, this really jumped a notch. And so tempers are flaring. Vince grabs the gun out of the hands of this guy behind the counter. But as that's going down, a couple of cops stroll in. And while Vince is holding this, this gun is like, all right, everybody be cool. You know, just let the, we're going to wait till these cops pass by and then we're going to get out of there. The, the guy working the store makes a move on him and Vince ends up firing, which shoots one of the cops and then Reggie gets shot by one of the cops once they they start returning fire. And so it's just a really low rent kind of shootout in this convenience store. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, what ends up happening is Reggie gets shot in the gut um, and the rest of them take off in the van and the cop gets off a couple of shots at the van and hits the gas tank so that they're leaking gas yeah they, they don't have enough time they they're running out of fuel and time and to hide right so and that's the whole situation is they are trying to hide from the cops so that they don't get taken to jail and holly and abby meanwhile are like holy shit what is going on like we just we just needed a ride and the next thing we know we're accessories to potentially murder yeah yeah they're all natural born killers now with mickey and mallory aka vincent lois yeah yeah like lois by the way completely getting off on this she she thinks this is great vince is now that things have popped off vince is definitely just embracing his life as a criminal on the run yeah and uh so orson by the way has stolen one of the police officers guns so that'll come into play later but he doesn't tell anybody right away Mm -hmm. and all right and but the cop that they shot it turns out that he was wearing a bulletproof vest so none of the cops other than not the guy who got shot by the shotgun who is totally fine the other cop has a, a flesh wound in his shoulder but everybody's okay. Like, nobody is actually dead from this encounter. Yeah. And enter Lieutenant Dewhurst, our our, our sort of hero cop of the movie. <laughs> uh, we say it off the air, too. Like, yeah, you could definitely tell Kevin Tenney wrote this one because if anybody's ever seen Witchboard, he loves the book Cops that are obsessed with magic in his movies. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I think I made the joke also. This is a real copy-paste kind of script yeah. uh, for Kevin Tenney because it just becomes like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel at a certain point. It does. Which isn't bad. And in fact, my favorite parts of the movie is that stuff. Uh, but it's also real cheap. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so this guy Dewhurst watches the security footage and it's like, wait a second. They didn't steal any money. Which is what the the guy behind the counter is like. Oh yeah, they held me up and took all the money out of the, the cash register. And Dewhurst is like, alright. You know, I like magic because this is a Kevin Tenney movie. And so we're going to play a little, uh, a little game where we're going to do a magic trick, you and I. Where you're going to make all of the money that you said was stolen reappear. And the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to turn this place over and search you and this place 
And if I find the money, you're going to go to jail. And he's like, oh, okay, well, or I guess, you know, here's the money or whatever. And I also Dewhurst realizes that the van is leaking gas. And so he's kind of sympathetic to what happened with these kids, which seems kind of strange because he has no real reason to be sympathetic other than he's about to retire. That's the thing. He's about to retire at midnight. And eh, I don't know. I don't like, I don't know why knee jerk. He's like, Oh, well these kids are some of them. Sure. But Vince, he would be like, this is a dangerous dude and we need to catch him uh, quickly. Yeah. I, I think it has to do with, you know, like some, you know, what these cops would do if they, did catch them though too because they seem like oh we're gonna fucking fuck these people these kids up you know like i think he just wanted to make sure that they got arrested safely without getting more harmed is the yeah yes you're right the other cops are like i swear to god if we if we see these kids we're gonna shoot first and ask questions later he's like whoa whoa these are high school kids and they're like we don't care he they try to shotgun down my partner over here and which isn't wrong but it's also like yeah i mean some of these kids are clearly not uh not the vicious killers that vince might be yeah but yeah so back to our van we realize like vince is the one who's like hey this gas tank is almost empty and they figure out oh one of the cops must have hit the gas tank so we need to figure out a place to hide very fast and there's really nothing around here except of course Derek for Hull House House. yeah and Abby who is the exposition of the movie is like we can't do that because that place is possessed and as soon as we cross the underground stream that surrounds (laughs) Hull House then we're in the you know the domain of these demons and we can't go because as soon as we go we're fucked Mm -hmm. but vince uh because he's got a gun in hand is like hey we're we're going if you don't want to go to hull house the other option is i will shoot you damn right so sure enough the van uh, crosses over the invisible stream. Um, Stargate. Yeah, it is. It's a total like computer effect as it bends reality as it crosses the the threshold of the gate, and uh, and now they are at Hull House, and they go inside. Abby, of course, is freaked out more than anyone because she's like, "We should not be here. This is all bad news." And Vince is like, hey, if any demons are here, come out. And he's like popping off some shots inside the uh, in, inside the house, kind of challenging the house to show itself. And sure enough, uh, up comes Angela, um, who is at first not looking crazy, but is like, oh, I live here at Hull House. And... Um, Orson then is uh, like reveals that he's got this uh, revolver and he's like hey Vince you uh, I can watch everybody else while he and Angela make sure that nobody else is in the house it, well it's Angela, Nick, Lois and Vince are those four are gonna go make sure that the rest of the house is empty he's gonna watch Holly and Abby Mm -hmm. and Reggie who is you know gut shot and then we get our you know traditional night of the demons Angela does a dance scene oh yeah how old was she when she did this movie uh I don't hang on a second and we'll uh we'll get to the bottom of this uh let's see this came out in 97 so she would have been 34. Oh, yeah. Hot MILF. Yeah. 
and all five and a half feet of her starts to do her sexy dance. <laughs> and <laughs> so while she's doing this dance, like Orson gets all hypnotized by her sexy dance. And Abby and Holly are like, we need to get out of here while he's not paying attention to us. So they're going to grab Reggie and, and get out of there. And so Holly, Reggie, and Abby are in the van. But then Holly fucks all this up by saying, oh, Nick is still inside. And it turns out I kind of do like this guy. And I want to go get rid of Like, I want to go help him out of this place which is the dumbest possible idea like he was there to begin with he's part of the gang they need to get the fuck out yeah but instead uh angela while she is uh doing her sexy dance from orson is like is there anything that you want and he says it's a callback to a line he had earlier about wanting a girl that can suck a, a golf ball through a garden hose oh yeah and she's like, well, I can't do that, but... Arr, 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 arr. And then she sucks the bullets out of his gun. <laughs> uh, and so she starts making out with Orson, and then her demon to- tongue shoots out the back of his head like alien. I-, I was thinking more like species. Or, yeah, species also, for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and back upstairs Nick is trying to grab the shotgun and get out of there because Vince and Lois are too horny not to make out in this in this place yeah they're like legit like dry humping yeah and then they realize that he's trying to take the gun and Vince gets the gun away from him takes a shot at Nick but doesn't hit him and outside Holly then hears this gunshot and while she is uh, on her way inside, she hears the police radio from Officer Larry's car and finds that. And then Abby is tells Reggie, again, who is gut shot and bleeding to death, is like, oh, I'm going to go check on Holly. And he's like, what? Like, you're going to leave me alone in this van bleeding? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be back in a little bit. And so I think, is it, yeah, Abby, I think, aside from Orson, is kind of the first to go. Because Orson's dead, but he'll he'll be back in a minute with his devil mask. It's pretty cougar look, yeah. Yeah. And then Abby, in her uh, cat Halloween costume, her, her, her sexy cat costume, uh, ends up running into Angela and Angela kind of gives her the same speech that Jerry Dandridge gives Evil Ed. <laughs> Where she's like, hey, uh, do you want, you know, do you want to be the girl that always lives in Holly's shadow? Or I can help you and make you irresistible. And she's like, well, I guess so. And so Angela kisses her, like gives her some tongue but doesn't blow out the back of her skull like she did Orson. And then Abby's like, no, 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 I don't want it. I changed my mind. She's like, too late. You're possessed now. (laughs) You're possessed now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So then uh, we leave them. We don't see exactly what happens to Abby, but we'll get back to her in a few minutes. And so then there's Reggie who hears his name being called and then he climbs out of the van and only to find Orson who is now all demon faced and has gotten apparently the keys to the police car and he just runs over Reggie R.I.P. yeah poor guy and so then uh, Vince goes to look to to see what happened because he hears the crash and so he heads out and runs into abby 
who is like her hair. Sexified. Yeah, her hair's all teased out and her costume has now turned into garters and shit. So she's all sexied out, like you said. And uh, he's like, what got into you? And she's like, you know, I'm I'm the perfect woman for you now, Vince. And she starts making out with him. And then, does she bite him or something? He ends up slapping no, her. I can't no, remember why. No, they just fuck. Oh, that's right. They straight up fuck in this scene. And, uh, but at, during the course of this, Abby scratches Vince. Which, if you have ever watched any of these movies, you kind of know that's that's part of, like, if you get injured by these things. Although, in this movie, they kind of changed the rules up a little bit. But that's how I always assumed it went. Uh. And... Um, so Vince, uh, takes off because, uh, he gets freaked out by Abby being super sexy and then he gets chased by Angela and then, but Lois ends up left alone in the house with only a snake puppet on her hand. And Angela, no, I don't think Angela even comes in the scene, right? Like all of a sudden, the... no, no, she she's got she gets left in the barn with Abby, and Abby's like, "Yeah, I fucked your boy, man." You know, she's like, "You a slut." Yeah, and then she slaps her, and she becomes Ron Perlman and Beastmaster. That's right, Abby. Abby becomes a Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, which. That's kind of one of the differences between this and the other movies. Like, in the other films, when you became a demon, you just got, like, the demon teeth and the demon eyes, and you were, you know, all you had blemishes and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, you become sort of this monstrous version of yourself. Angela got bored. She's like, I'm going to have some fun this year. Mixing it up. Uh, which is why it's, it it feels very Elm Street sequel to me. Like Abby was the shy reserve girl and, but then she becomes the sexy, confident cat woman. Um, which I, I, I think maybe the the reason it reminds me of this is because of, uh, is it Elm Street four with the cockroach lady? Yeah. Thank you for reminding me of that scene. Yeah. So I think. I think that's why it reminds me of an Elm Street movie. But All I needed was Angela eating a meatball full of souls. Oh my god. I, you know, I know a lot of people defend those Elm Street movies. And there is a world in which, here on the Dark Parade, we will do those Elm Street movies one day. I'm just in no hurry to do it, because uh, there are other movies that I want to talk about, and also there are exactly two and a half good Elm Street movies. Eh. Um, maybe like three and a half for me, but I... Uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's uh, more bad than good. Yeah, but at least some of the bad are still watchable, in my opinion. Yeah, but it, it just becomes the same thing of like, oh, whatever the personal foible is, like whatever it is that is your big personality flaw that is the thing that is your undoing yeah for sure and and that's kind of what this movie does too like you know with abby and then lois here where she's got this snake puppet on her hand which turns into a giant snake face yeah yeah and the first thing i thought was like kevin tinney fucking ripped off the curse part too I don't know if I've ever seen the curse part two. Uh, pretty much what happens in that movie is there's this genetic mutation thing where this guy gets bit by a, a snake dog that bites sure. his hand, and his hand ends up turning into a snake. I, I might need to see uh, the curse part two now. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think is the moral it's, of the it's, story. It's actually fun. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, so this snake head uh, is now attached to her arm, and she's freaked out at first, but then she starts rubbing herself, and by rubbing herself, I mean her vagina, 
with the snake head. And so she starts to get off on it. Oh, yeah. And I guess, again, if we're doing, you know, character flaws are kind of your undoing, then I guess the deal is that her innate horniness is what leads to her becoming, you know, possessed or whatever. Yeah. I I guess. I don't know. I After, like, some of these movies, it's like, okay, I could whenever it's like in supernatural anyways like okay whatever <laughs> yeah there's a whole lot of like i think that's what's happening here but you know i i think the the moral of the story ultimately is that kevin tenney wrote a bunch of shit one weekend and uh and that became this movie you still probably depressed after making pinocchio's revenge i mean i would be depressed too yeah the movie's awful. That is not a good movie. Uh, but yeah, so Holly, who is still not possessed, uh, smashes the window of the police car because she's going to try to call the police on the radio. But then Maniac Cop, I mean, Officer Larry shows up. And he's all possessed now. And he starts chasing her. but And then she gets out. She totally gets out. She gets uh, across the underground stream. And when Officer Larry comes after her, she like he just disintegrates into a bunch of dust or whatever. Yeah, they pull, totally do a hell night right here. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then, like a dum-dum, she's like, well... Nick! Yeah, like, I gotta go find Nick and get everybody, all, and Abby and all my friends out of the house, because she doesn't know that Abby's all possessed and whatnot. And they, so she and Nick are now going into the house together. Uh, they run afoul of Orson and end up just kind of running away from him and run up to the attic. And... So they make out for a second. We get a, a moment where he's like, hey, you're looking pretty good in that gypsy outfit. How about we make out? And she's good for it. Because... I've loved you since math class, you know. Hey. Yeah, it's a real, like, yeah, I, I, I remembered you from algebra class too, even though I was only there for one day. But, you know, you made an impression because you were hot. Yeah. Uh, it's, oh, it's so stupid. And anyway, so they uh then orson runs in on him and holly ends up throwing lie in his face yeah. which burns him up pretty good but it distracts him long enough that they can get away from him and they kind of run smack dab into our retiring cop lieutenant dewhurst who has shown up like he deduces that they must have gone to Hull House because they were running out of gas and it's the only place nearby that no cop would search. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you want to see a magic trick? Come on, I'll show you one. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to the station. Uh, yeah, the first magic trick is I'm going to handcuff you. <laughs> I love weird Czechoslovakian Raymond Burr so much in this movie. Yeah, he's genuinely my favorite thing about the movie. Um, so yeah, he, he takes him outside, kind of marches him to the car and then out comes Vince who is still not possessed, but he's got the, the gun to Angela's head and is like, Hey, here's what's going to happen. You're going to let me go or I'm going to shoot this crazy lady who lives in this abandoned house. <laughs> And Lieutenant Dewhurst is like, hey, just so you know, that cop that you shot, totally fine. So you haven't killed anybody. And if you want, just put down the gun. I'm not saying you're not going to be in trouble, but you're not. This is all minor infractions at this point. Like, we mm -hmm. can all walk away from this. But Angela is like, that pig is lying. You need to shoot him. <laughs> And, uh, you're right, Angela. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, you're right, crazy lady that I just met. And 
so he starts shooting at Lieutenant Dewhurst, but Dewhurst is a quick draw sharpshooter. It's all that magic. Yeah, that sleight of hand. His magic trick is making a bullet disappear in Vince's eye socket. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> once once Vince hits the ground, then Angela just fully demons out. Along with everyone else, like all the, all the other demons, Abby and Orson and uh, everybody but Officer Larry, who is disintegrated. And Angela then lays down some new mythology, which is if you're a demon or if you're a regular person to be possessed, you have to willingly give your soul by word or deed. And so that's why, like, you know, Abby wanted to take back her possession, but it turns out, like, a subset of the rules is no backsies. So once you kind of agree, like, either you kiss Angela or, you know, you behave in a certain way where you're basically saying, I want the demon's help or something. It, this is all real loosey-goosey and doesn't totally add up within the context of the movie, I think. Eh, yeah. It, it kind of... if I think it's when they're alive. Because I, I, do, I did notice this kind of in part one a little bit more than two. Where, you know, Angela and, you know, uh, Linnea Quigley in that movie were kind of like all into this fucking shit. So, of course, they're the first two to get fucking possessed. And usually... Everyone else is either getting killed and shit, or they lust them like they do in part one. It, it it's similar, but it's a little bit more explained in this one. It's, it's kind of annoying, you know. Yeah, well, you're making rules that you're not totally following. Yeah, and it's like, well, then my don't bother making the rule at all. But you need the rules if you're going to do the ending of this movie, which is why this script feels super lazy. <laughs> yeah sure so uh but yeah so uh because holly is a virgin angela yeah (laughs) angela is like well if if you guys give me the virgin i'll let the the cop and nick go and holly's like okay i'll do that and Angela uh, then turns Vince into a demon and and she's like, you know, okay, my children, maybe you should do it. Okay, my children, let's go party. <laughs> yeah, and so she basically tells everybody to go back inside and then Nick is like, hey, I got another idea. How about you create a diversion, huh? Oh, why you asked the right person <laughs> right i wonder how she likes car tricks and that's kind of what happens is he's just doing a little like you know close-up street magic with her he's like look at this hocus pocus <laughs> he even says hocus pocus <laughs> I, I, he absolutely does and while angela is watching that nick stabs her with a switchblade and then that doesn't kill her so they take the police car and ram Angela against the tree a handful of times and that doesn't kill her either because you know she's a demon and uh, Angela then goes into the house as the sun starts to starts to rise and so Nick and Holly and the lieutenant are making their way towards this gate and Nick uh he he tells Nick and Holly like, "Hey, FYI, you guys are in the clear because I saw the security footage and you're not on it, and so no one will ever know that you were part of this whole, you know, gas station convenience store thing." But before they can cross over the threshold, fatality. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Angela reaches into the lieutenant's chest and yanks his heart out. And then she starts chasing Nick and Holly. Uh, but 
they um they get across the stream with Nick uh, like Angela it, they they they're kind of playing tug of war with Holly with Angela grabbing her arm and Nick's got her other arm and they're they're trying to pull uh or he's trying to pull Angela not Angela Holly over the finish line essentially and Angela ends up dissolving like Officer Larry did yeah and then they kind of set up a sequel to this at this point because like Angela in theory is all disintegrated all the other demons are taken care of you know one presumes and Holly ends up making this homemade cross we have to come here every year I'm like whoa yeah well, yeah, she's like, I'm going to come back here every Halloween. And make- Why don't they just fucking burn this place down? Right, like, just blow it up, you know? Like, why come back every... Also, why do... Like, you don't owe any of the people inside anything. You know, Abby's dead. I'm sorry, your friend is dead. But she's gone. Like, she turned into an evil cat woman. She turned into the Ron Perlman. <laughs> yeah, she turned into the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. And all those sexy. Well, but I guess all the women thought he was sexy too. Um, but she's gone. You got out with the guy. You need to go away and never come back. Or at least just burn it down if you're going to get that committed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or go about the business of like getting a priest and, and that kind of thing. But. Anyway, so she says, I'm going to make sure no one ever goes inside that place again. And they take off. And then the the very last shot of the movie is lights turning on in the house. And you hear Angela laughing and says, Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> yeah, which I kind of like. I like the fact that the movie is goofy enough to be like hey happy halloween everybody that watched night of the demons 3 but also boy it would have been so much better if night of the demons 3 had been you know more worth watching yeah so anywho that's that's the story of night of the demons 3 and all its glory and that takes us Derek to part two of our discussion which is are there any performances that you want to highlight here uh uh from from the cast other than i like i'll i'll do the easy one here which is amelia kincaid as angela is still pretty good in this role like she's clearly having a good time with it yeah she's like the one that's usually having the most fun in this role and you know she makes it her own and i yeah, even in this one, you know, she's a little bit older. You know, she ages from movie to movie, but she's still having fun with the role. You know, doing that prosthetic makeup, even though, like, yeah, spoiler alert, they did use some scenes from the first movie when she's, like, floating down the hallway <laughs> in some scenes for this. But, yeah, it's a blast in that sense with, like, her performance. And even, you know, even though how hokey the fucking magician obsessed cop was he was pretty fun too i i kind of liked him in the movie too uh everyone else it felt weird because when i was watching this i'm like are these people fucking dubbed i really you can tell there's some like bad adr in this movie in some scenes yeah yeah for sure uh i do like the guy's name is blasta vrana is the guy who plays lieutenant dewhurst and i agree with you i think he is uh totally fine yeah um he seems to be like he's he's a legitimately decent actor and i'll even give it to patricia rodriguez who plays abby because i think she this the scenes with her and angela um are are pretty good you know where she's like no 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 i didn't really want this uh i think that stuff works pretty well yeah i I can agree with that but I kind of think everyone else in the movie is not very good. Especially when you have Vince and Orson, and they kind of look alike, too. It's kind of weird. I'm like, oh. It would have made more sense if they actually made these two brothers. Yeah, for sure. 
you know, he's trying to show his older brother maybe that he's as hard as he is, you know, in that sense. It would have made the story more interesting because they kind of look alike, too. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Yeah, they do look alike. I hadn't really thought about that before, but they really do. Uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of unfortunate because, especially coming off of Night of the Demons 2, where you actually have some pretty good character actors in that movie. Yeah, it's a Brian Trenchard Smith joint. Yeah, it's like it's legitimately fun and all the performances in it are you know they're certainly kind of arch and they're they're playing big and all that but they're good you know yeah. like merle kennedy as mouse is really good and uh zoe trilling and like a lot of really fun performances in that movie and in this one you're kind of panning for gold a little bit where it's not great there are a couple of good performances, uh, like I said, especially from Amelia Kincaid, who is a veteran at this point. But everyone, like all the the kids in the movie in particular, are kind of bad. Yeah. And actually, this is, might be weird. I actually watched Night of the Demons 2 for the first time this year. And there's a reason because of that. Because I watched this one first. Like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, because it was kind of like that Basket Case thing where I watched Basket Case 3. I'm like, I don't think I need to watch Basket Case 2 now. Yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, uh, depending on how you want to look at it, like I said, I'm probably more of a fan of 2 than I am the original Night of the Demons, but both of those are totally legitimate movies. It, yeah, for sure. I agree. You know, two's fun, fun. You know, I'm... Uh, Night of the Demons 1 is actually a very nostalgic movie for me, so it's still a little over 2 for me, but overall, I think 2 is pretty great, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, so, you know, performances, mm, overall not great, which brings us to stage 3 of the conversation, which is you know sort of what are the underlying themes of the movie what is it trying to say and with kind of 97 a, was horny that's what it's yeah i mean aside from the the horniness of the movie i think it does play a little bit on that elm street stuff that we were talking about of like whatever your deepest insecurity is that that is ultimately your undoing and eh I mean, that's as close as I come to anything that any statement that the movie is trying to make. Yeah, it's not really trying to make really a, a big statement. Like, you'd say, like, part, because it's kind of a carbon copy of the first movie, too, in that sense. It's a lazier version, you know. Where, yeah. You know, it's like paint by numbers. He borrows from a lot of other fucking movies, even his own fucking movies, you know. Uh, but uh, the script, it's very lazy. It's very 90s, late 90s horror in that sense where, yeah, you, especially with these direct-to-video 90s horror movies, it, it you get a lot of shit. But sometimes you get some gems out of them too. But this one was, eh, it's, uh, it's still kind of watchable in my eyes with some of the story elements. But I've seen worse from this time period. I yeah i mean and and that uh, this kind of brings us to our final thoughts here but i i agree with you it's not the it's not the worst movie that i've seen from like this 90s era of b movies like straight to dvd uh horror films but it's just such a bummer because the first of the demon is three. <laughs> yeah, I mean the first one is what it is, and it's kind of this minor classic because of Linnea Quigley, and it you know, I've said it on every episode so far, but I'll repeat it again here. The lighting and the cinematography of Night of the Demons is legit really good. Oh yeah, and plus that fucking opening fucking credit sequence. Oh, yeah, it's like all of that stuff is really good. There's a reason that people kind of revere Night of the Demons and Night of the Demons 2 
expands on all that stuff in a lot of really interesting ways and you have this like really rad snake demon thing at the end and yeah angela snake yeah Yeah. all that stuff is really cool and it's really fun and does it make perfect sense no but that's not what you need out of these movies and even as i've been kind of nitpicking about some of the the mechanics of the plot of this movie you know you can forgive all that stuff if the characters are fun and you're laughing and it's kind of sexy and it's a little sleazy and all that stuff but this just feels so cheap compared to those other movies that if it's just such an afterthought it's just so like bargain basement uh for a night of the demon sequel and and there's part of me that likes the fact that it embraces how schlocky it is. Yeah. And I like the fact that all these kids end up at the at Hull House as a result of this robbery gone bad. But it's just so clunky in its direction. And again, maybe it's just because the only way you can watch this movie is four three on a DVD. But it just looks kind of like trash too which is a bummer because the other two movies at least look good and yeah this does not yeah like i said like you know and you know i'm not the one that usually bitches about adr movies because you know i watch a lot of those italian movies with their adr as fuck so just for throwing that out there but with like some of these other movies like oh okay they redubbed this in the scene you know it's just notice you notice it because you, you know you watch like you and me watch godzilla movies that are dubbed terribly you know yeah but there's so much more charming uh about those movies than yeah. this like i mean those yeah. you kind of maybe it's just because you know that's kind of baked in with with a godzilla film is that there's going to be a lot of bad dubbing but this is like, hey, this was 1997. Like, we had, we knew how to dub a movie, and none of these actors are foreign. Yeah. You know, I guess Canadian, but. <laughs> hey. Uh, yeah, it's just a real bummer. Um, any any other final thoughts on this one? Uh, I, mean, I liked it a little bit more than when I first seen it. I was, But overall, I still feel the same about it. You know, it's. A very, very huge step down. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that, that brings us to the final point of contention here in uh, in the episode, um, which is a rating. Uh, as always, you can rate from one to five stars. Half stars are allowed, but no quarter stars because we are not monsters. Um, so where where does this land for you on the, uh, the rating scale? Uh, you said out of five, right? That's right. Uh, I give it two and a half Hocus Pocuses out of five. <laughs> well done. I'm a little harder on this movie, I think. Uh, I'm going to go with two stars. Because to, to me, like, two and a half is average. And yeah. I think this is just a hair below average. Like, if somebody if somebody asked me if I recommended it, I, w- I think I would have to tell them, like, you know, you're better off going back and watching two or one for that matter those are going to be a better time and this if you're a completist like me and you just can't not watch the entire series it's just a you said it yourself like this is just a big step down and uh and that's unfortunate because i really think that especially after two the night of the demon series could have been you know not necessarily great but it could have like lived in that subspecies realm or something where it's like ah you know all of these movies are kind of they're not great but they're all kind of fun i would take any of the subspecies overnight that is three right exactly my point <laughs> yeah exactly my point and at some point we will do uh, uh that series on this show uh, because that's the kind of dumb dumb I am is that I will watch all of those and try to mine some kind of information out of it. Uh, Radu's my homie. Man, I I really enjoy those. Again, this is not the time nor the place to talk about all the subspecies movies, but I have a lot of time for those. Even as the sequels go on and get increasingly ridiculous, that's when I kind of love it most. 
Hell yeah. Um, all right, so we wrap up every episode with three things that you may not know about uh, the film that we're watching, and in this case, three three things you may not know about Night of the Demons 3. Um, this is more trivia because it's kind of tough to find information about this movie. Like, there's no director's commentary on the DVD or anything. There's no, like, hard-hitting investigative articles about uh, what was going on on set or anything. So bear with me, ladies and jelly spoons, as we give you some perhaps less than stellar trivia, but it's what I got my hands on. Um, For example, Angela's name not once spoken in the movie. Ah. Yeah, I didn't notice that, but you're right. So that is one thing you may not have realized about this movie. Number two, when, uh, when they're in the convenience store you can see a VHS copy of Night of the Demons on one of the shelves. Multiverse. Yeah, that's right. It's meta. And the other thing you may not know, which uh, is, I think, the most interesting of the things you may not know about this movie, this was the last movie that Amelia Kincaid did, at which point she became uh, an animal psychic, which is something that we talked about, but uh, what you may further not know is that uh, after uh, becoming an animal psychic, she was the only psychic ever to be invited to Buckingham Palace to uh, psychically attune to the horses of Queen Elizabeth. Huh. Yeah. She's come a long way from doing stray cat videos. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, she, yeah, she's gone on to do... Uh, like she's uh, part of some nonprofit or started a nonprofit about wildlife education and stuff like that. Like Amelia Kincaid seems to have done just fine for herself. And yeah, uh, she's uh, she's related to one of the Golden Girls too. Rue McClanahan, I think, is yeah, her aunt not. or something. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's cool. But yeah, it, it's kind of a bummer this was her last movie because she. You know, she has a really fun presence on screen, but sounds like she went off to do work that she loved and, you know, bless her for it. So, yeah, if you didn't own like the Blu-ray for the original Night of the Demons at Scream Factory, but uh, there's actually a really long interview with her. You know, she's she's she still has fond memories of these movies that she did. Yeah. And I think that she's pretty quick to say that the second one was her favorite to do. Yeah. Um, Because it gave her a little bit more to do than the first one did. And, you know, even with all the makeup, I'm sure that was a nightmare, especially the the Angela snake was probably a real pain. But, um, yeah, she seemed to have fun with it. And that's, I mean, what more can you ask for out of a performer? Is like she did a good job and she seemed to have a good time doing it. So um, it's a shame she wasn't in more stuff. But, uh, you know, such is life. Um well, that is it. That uh, that concludes the original trilogy of the Night of the Demons movie uh, movies. And so, Derek, now it is time to put the spotlight on you and, and to ask where can uh, possessed and non-possessed alike uh, find you on, uh, on podcasts or in neighborhoods, lurking about in windows uh where where can you be found sure you could find me on simmer attack where you could just find me on most podcatchers uh we are hosted on anchor through that podcast uh you could also find me on there here where uh you could find that under the cut to the chase feed which is also an anchor i believe uh fun show we're actually playing our next episode soon so that should be out soon uh we also have no More Room in Hell, the original show. Uh, we also have No More Room in Hell Presents Creature Comforts. We also have uh, over... Uh, what's the other show I do? Oh, uh, we have a show that's been recorded. It hasn't been released yet. Uh, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space actually recorded an episode on Gamer vs. Barogon. And, uh, don't know when it's going to be released, but hopefully soon. You know... It exists. It is a show that exists. Yeah, we we can't. We, it's our comeback, but it's not out. Yet. Yeah, 
But uh, that's about it for me. You know, I have some other things that I have to uh, finish editing to release. So I'll I'll start announcing those more when they get released. Uh, I know Bo is part of uh, one of the shows, but uh, yeah, I gotta actually start working on those. So we'll do that soon. Excellent, man. Uh, all right. Well, thanks uh, as always for doing this, buddy. I, I appreciate it as ever. And uh, I'll be right back to close out the show. So folks, there you have it. Uh, big thanks once more to Derek Bourgeois for joining me to talk about this movie. Uh, one can only describe as a lesser entry in the night of the demons franchise. Um, but it was fun to have that conversation. Uh, and you could probably tell our tone with it was a bit silly, which uh, is kind of what the movie deserves. Anyway, we'll be back next week with an episode all about the Night of the Demons remake starring Eddie Furlong and Shannon Elizabeth and Diora Baird and uh, a bevy of uh, on-screen beauties as, as well as Eddie Furlong. Until then, like I said, you'll be getting a What You Watching uh, at the end of this week. Uh, next week, there should be some found footage fool uh, waiting for you. Uh, and if you are listening to this, uh, the coming weekend will not have a Sinister Sunday because I will be driving to Charleston for Thanksgiving. So, uh, sorry, there will be no Sinister Sunday for a couple of weeks while I am traveling and recovering. But, uh, but we will be back very soon with more Sinister Sundays and Morbid Mondays uh, in the month of December. So, that is it for now. Uh, I would like to implore you once more, if you are enjoying the show, please uh, rate and review where that is possible. And also, the big thing is just share it around. Like, if you're enjoying the show, uh, throw it up on the, uh, the social media that you prefer and let people know about it. That is honestly the best way... Uh, if you're really digging what we do here, uh, for you to, to kind of throw your support behind it. And I would also, uh, ask if you are enjoying this show and other shows here on the Legion podcasts, uh, podcast network that, uh, you drop by our Patreon where you get early access to all of these episodes as well as some original stuff and early access to other shows on the network. And it's only a buck or two a month, so we don't ask a whole lot of you, and it helps us keep the lights on around here. So that is it for this time. We'll see you very soon with what you're watching, and beyond that, a new episode of The Dark Parade. See you then. Mm -hmm.